Hello, everyone. My name is Scott, uh, and I work with YWAM Rush Strever. Hi, and I'm Val, and I work with YWAM Harpenden. And uh, we are uh, tasked together to offer a uh, LDX talk on social media and polarization. Uh, we've all been there, right? We've all been there when Facebook, a Facebook friend has put up a post or a comment that we find incredibly frustrating and pro problematic. Uh, in that moment, we're flushed with anger. Uh, for whatever reason, we begin to type the best zinger comeback comment. Um, and I do it in my head, but some of us do it in the reply bar. And uh, we think to ourselves, this is really going to rock the boat. Or maybe, hey, people need to hear that's not how we all think, whatever it may be. Uh, what I tend to do next is uh, I don't hit send because I have a little baby angel on my shoulder who tells me to be a good boy. Uh, but some, some of us do hit send and, and we watch uh, the comment uh, pile up, the notifications pile up, a friend and foe all uh, pouring in their necessary uh, additions to the conversation. But we're asking here, what's really going on here? Um, for me, it's important to understand that social media uh, at the very basic level, um, they make money off of our emotions. So every time we watch cat videos for 10 minutes straight as they break things and they look really cute pretending like they're typing on a computer, um, yeah, Facebook's making money. And that's not a bad thing, of course. But now we know that the number one emotion that keeps us glued to our screens is outrage. Uh, and so the algorithm on our social media tends to feed us the things that will keep us more glued. And so outrage gets put on top of outrage on top of outrage, which doesn't sound like a very good prospect. Uh, secondly, we found that um, the internet, especially in the comic sections of social media, can be incredibly harmful uh, to real human relationships. One phenomenon uh, we see is this instantaneous responses uh, without being able to read one another's facial expressions and, and uh, body language, which means we can comment without any sort of accountability to our words uh, on the emotional spectrum, which doesn't really happen in real life. And our boldness uh, grows and grows and grows. And we can even err into the side of cruelty uh, saying things that we would never say face to face. Um, and even if we don't act on those impulses, we all begin to harbor a little bit of distaste. And, and what's important here is that we harbor distaste for our brothers and sisters um, just because of how uh, we use social media. A very real divide is continuing to grow in the body of Christ and how we engage with social media plays a big role in that. Um, one thing to add here is that unless we have very specifically set up on purpose dialogue and um, kind of learning communities, we know that actually comments on Facebook posts do not change anyone's mind. We're, we end up going into these battles knowing that we're not convincing. We're, we're not going to be convinced by their argument, trying to convince them, knowing full well that they probably won't get convinced either. And so we set ourselves up for a divisive uh, conversation, knowing that none of us will change. Um, and, and the reality is, the sad reality is we've lost very real friends uh, through social media, uh, and, and specifically in polarization and in the body of Christ. Um, and we have to ask the question, is this us living out our calling? Uh, are we striving to be in step with one another? How much power and authority do we give this tool? And what responsibility do we ourselves have over um, our own hearts and minds? And with that, I'm going to hand over to Val here. She's going to unmute her mic, and she's going to go more directly into our own responsibility. 
So this morning I was praying with my prayer partner, Ruth Bogdan, known to some of you, and she came with these verses, which I found very interesting. She'd been mulling over them the last few days. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. So she hadn't fully realized just what I was doing this morning. We're all familiar with John 17 and Jesus' prayer that we would all be one as he and the Father are one. And he says, so that the disciples in the world will know that he was sent by the Father and that, um, that we are loved. Everyone who has ever lived and whoever will live is loved equally as he loves Jesus, which is an astonishing thought. Probably you remember the time when you realized that, I certainly do, that suddenly that hit me as an amazing thought that I'm loved as much as the Father loves Jesus. Um, so in James 1, it talks about human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. I hadn't realized that verse, but I remember there was a time some years ago I was very angry. It was a YWAM situation. And um, I, I thought I'd forgiven. I thought I didn't realize the sin of anger. And uh, one day I read James 1, where um, that scripture where human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And I saw my own self-righteousness. I saw unforgiveness and anger. And ever since then, it's, it's um, made me very alert and aware of the danger of anger. It's right, and Jesus was angry about injustice, discrimination, exploitation, abuse, racism, all these things. And there is a rightness about being angry, but it needs to be distilled and the anger needs to be temporary, as I understand it. That unless we, it is temporary, it's going to develop into a root of bitterness. And there are very many different um, gradations of anger. It can go to malice, it can go to rage and violence. And we've all seen that on our screens. And I think we have to remember in situations where we're, our response is anger is how much God loves the other person, that he loves them as much as he loves Jesus. He loves them as much as he loves me. And I find it helps me to pray for them and to discern, am I really loving them? Have I got a loving heart? We may not like what is said and what is done, but there's a difference in being able to love them. There's also a place for lament and stillness. And this Psalm 37 that I just read, it starts with be still in the presence of the Lord, that's verse seven. And there is a place to be still and be in the presence of the Lord and let him wash and let him work it out and let him even um, expose even more the greater horror of what has, has stirred us up so much. But then I think it needs to turn into a positive thing. What can I do to change this situation? 
How can I set this right in a loving and wise way? And sometimes national, international things, it's prayer. And that's the, where I go is prayer usually. But also I think sometimes it's good to do it if need be with someone else. If, if we're struggling, then find somebody you can be accountable to, who can witness it and walk you through that process so that anger um, doesn't remain in our hearts because it does defile. And um, so I want to just say we're all on a pilgrimage of discovery and wonder. And let us, our differences and different understandings provoke us into finding the way of love, which is the way of humility. I think that is incredible kind of insights. Uh, I'm going to land the plane here to talk more specifically about leadership, uh, because this is the ELLC. Um, I'm thinking more on the leadership aspect. Um, and so, yeah, I'll just add here that um, I asked the question, like what, um, you know, we have to ask ourselves, how do you lead well in this time? Uh, in this time, in this climate, what's leading well look like? And in short, we must be leading our teams, leading, I and mean, it's a big word, leading our teams and our communities toward one another, uh, rather than leading kind of the first stone to grab, which is what seems to happen sometimes, is I'm, I'm leading the charge and throwing stones, uh, especially people, obviously, we have very real differences too. Uh, the goal is not to all look the same, right? In our communities, we do not want a single, you know, a single belief, right? Um, well, maybe some of us do, but I would say the goal is not to make uniformity. Uh, we, want to we want to have vision for our communities to look like and reflect the foundational value and our mission of being international and interdenominational, which by very nature means we are meant to be a mission of a plurality of belief not a lifeless little army of uniformity. We must recognize, defend, and celebrate diversity in both our, our, our friends and our, our, our communities, uh, their, their political and their theological views. Uh, and it's also important to add that, yeah, of course we have our individual views. So the, the, the goal isn't, again, to cover our own mouths in order, for the sake of unity. That's not truly what unity is. Um, we need to work to be in step with one another while also having maybe a higher level of disagreement. Um, I think we should be able to communicate, engage in dialogue of our own beliefs and, and even debate with people who hold differently to be beliefs, uh, but uh, not setting aside our common goal. Um, we're part of a mission that wants to see the kingdom of God permeate and expand on the earth to see things be set right uh, in accordance to his will and our differences makes that calling more durable. It makes us more flexible as a mission to be able to succeed in what God has called us to be. And we need to lead uh, in a way that creates space for those differences to be celebrated, defended, discovered, um, and, and, and not just simply create a uniform belief system within our mission. Um, yes, there are some different uh, distinctions, of course, there's, you know, we only have 10 minutes, you know, I can't get into all of it. But it's just to say, it's not just about what we believe, um, or even what we do, but also how we do it, and how we believe. How do we believe? Not just what we believe, but how we believe is important. 
Uh, I pray that we can become more and more gracious, more and have bigger ears than our mouths uh, and try to, again, bridge this polarization, not lead the charge in culture wars, not lead the charge in, um, yeah, tic-tac kind of Facebook wars. It's not just Facebook, by the way. But that's what we have for you today. Um, I hope it's, it's a blessing. I hope it maybe challenges parts in your heart that uh, you've been wrestling with, or you know that you're caught out in, those, in that polarization world. Uh, and, and again, I hope it helps um, develop us as, as a mission. Thank you very, very much.